0: Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now, with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Well, it's definitely interesting that uh, at least one of the apostles addressed in his epistle. Those to whom he was addressing the epistle, he said, grace, mercy, and peace be upon you. Grace, mercy, and peace. Well, which is it? Is it grace? Is it mercy? Is it peace? Can we have peace without mercy? Can we have peace without grace? Probably not. And so the apostle, I think, had it right. Grace, mercy, and peace. So let me ask you a question. As we're going out here today to talk about this subject, which of these do you desire the most? Do you desire grace? Do you desire mercy? Or do you desire peace? Well, probably, ultimately, you desire peace because that's the end of the road, isn't it? That's what grace and mercy are supposed to provide to us, but... People get confused between the words grace and mercy. They really do. Uh, we had one who talked about the grace awakening, and yet nobody wanted to talk about mercy. Can we really expect God to operate to and through us with grace without our first recognizing the need for his mercy? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to have a conversation concerning that. Our special guest, Kristen Lunsford, with her book, The Pursuit of Grace Instead of Perfection. And she's joining us from the state of Arizona, where I understand that there are wars and rumors of wars concerning elections, concerning the governorship of that state. I don't know whether they need mercy or whether they need grace or all of the above, but she's joining us here to talk about the pursuit of grace. Kristen, it's good to have you on the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, uh, you are a mother. How many children yeah. do you have?
1: I have four. I have a set of twins and, um, and then another boy and another girl. So two boys, two girls.
0: And what are their ages?
1: Uh, My twins are about to be 13 in a couple weeks, and then I have a 9-year-old and a 6-year-old.
0: Well, I think you need both mercy and grace.
1: Absolutely, and (laughs) prayer.
0: (laughs) In order to have peace, you're going to need both mercy and grace, because these are very difficult times in which to raise children of those ages or any age today, aren't they? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, absolutely.
0: So, how are things in uh, in Arizona? Are you in Phoenix? Where are you in Arizona?
1: Yeah, we're we're in Peoria, which is a little bit outside of Phoenix, and it is hot. We're in the hundreds now. Oh
0: so my goodness!
1: Yes, so the heat has begun.
0: I don't know if Grace will help you, but you you might need mercy in heat like that.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of pool water. <laughs>
0: that's great so let me ask you uh because there has been such a uh an interesting uh focus on grace for about the last 20 years with chuck swindle coming out with his book uh on uh grace so Mm -hmm. what is grace anyway other than the first name for many women
1: (laughs) yes exactly um to me, grace is um, getting the gift that we don't deserve. So, um, you know, I used to think that um, grace was kind of based on our accomplishments and uh-huh. our, you know, we live in a performance-based society. So I, it's easy to take that into grace and let that kind of dictate how we view it. So it kind of becomes this thing we we work for, and we feel like we need to deserve. Um, You know, but it's taken me a long time to realize um, that we we never can. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how well we perform, so to speak, um, it's just not something that we can ever earn.
0: Well, that's not quite what the advertisements are telling us on television these days. In fact, radio and television are using the term deserve constantly. It's not what you need. It's not what you want. It's what you deserve. So they're telling us that we do deserve all of this. Absolutely. What's wrong with that?
1: I think that probably is where the confusion starts. You know, we're, we're being told something, but it's contradictory because they say, you know, That you're perfect as you are and to love yourself as you are, but then they're also calling you to be different than you are and different than you can be. So there's just this confusion of who am I supposed to be and and what am I? Am I am I be performing the way I should? Am I not performing the way I should? And what happens if I don't perform the way that I should? Then who am I?
0: You know, and it's interesting also because we used to live in a society uh, you say we do live in a society that requires that we earn things. But yet uh, we have just been told that 1,700 colleges and universities across the country have decided not to uh, uh, require the SAT scholarship uh, aptitude test anymore. And okay. also uh, medical schools are not requiring the uh, MCAT required for medical admission. And law schools are not requiring the LSAT, so it seems to me that we're abandoning the meritocracy.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I can see that.
0: So, is that grace that's being extended to young people today? Is it mercy, or what is it?
1: Maybe a shifting of expectation. You know, because even though our our performance level has shifted, you know, maybe from academics to more life-based performance. Um, I mean, we we see that with kids, you know, where school has become less of the performance and it's really more of the way that they're living their life, what they're involved in, who they're surrounded by, if they're accepted by society, if they're not accepted by society, which seems to be a huge part uh-huh um you know so i think we're just shifting the expectation to be somewhere
0: else well you're absolutely right it's been very confusing chaos is reigning supreme and now with the lordship of feelings uh, that began in the 1970s uh invading the church where feelings have become lord and faith has become a uh, little more than a mascot uh to the exaltation of our feelings uh, we do live in a in, a, in a, meri- a a different kind of meritocracy in which i feel i feel i feel and uh that's how i earn my respect anymore i feel mm-hmm. yes yeah. it's unbelievable unbelievable and yet um, amid all of this the bible talks about grace and if we go to the old testament the the uh We'll call him the prophet, David, because he was a prophet. He talks Mm -hmm. about mercy and truth, mercy and truth, mercy and truth, mercy and truth. So is there a difference between mercy and grace? And if so, what is it? I'm going to leave that to you to answer as best you can after the break. We're talking, friends, with uh, a new uh, friend and uh, guest, Kristen Lunsford, with her book, The Pursuit of Grace. You just might want to get a copy. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint
2: on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our guest today is married to Adam. Now, I don't know if married to Adam means she needs mercy or grace or all of the above, but uh, she also says that she is fueled by Jesus and Diet Coke. Now, that is problematic for me. I don't know how anybody could be fueled by Diet Coke. Where do you get your, you can't get any mercy, you can't get any grace from Diet Coke. What is That's this, sure. Kristen?
1: That is for sure. I blame my parents, honestly. They're the ones who kind of brought me up
0: on it. So your parents made you do it. Yes, Yes, exactly. So then they need, uh, well, grace isn't going to help them much anymore. They need mercy for what they did. That's
1: right.
0: Yep, exactly. Okay, okay. So what is the difference, do you see the difference between mercy and grace?
1: So grace is something that I see um, as as something that we are getting, um, and mercy is something we are not getting. So, for instance, grace is the gift of something that we don't deserve.
0: Yes, okay. Um,
1: and mercy, to me, is not getting what we do deserve, which would be some type of punishment. You know, if we we're talking physically, uh-huh. you know, it's death. It's, it's, you know, sin equals okay.
0: death. All right. So there's a death penalty on every one of our heads, right? Absolutely. The wage of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in order to not get the death penalty, what do we need the most? First. Grace. Or mercy. We need mercy. Grace yeah. isn't going to do us any good if we don't have mercy, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Okay, so mercy then, why is it that we don't talk about mercy anymore? Almost never in our pulpits anymore do we talk about mercy. Why do you think that is?
1: Um, I think because we're trying to shy away from the consequences of action. Ah. Uh, we We don't really want to be held accountable
0: (laughs) you You got that right sister in other words we don't (laughs) want to admit there were sinners right we don't want to admit that well that's Mm -hmm. exactly what the uh, former pastor of the crystal cathedral said supposedly as an evangelical pastor he said you know what it's an abomination it's abuse to tell people that they're sinners They don't need to be told. They're sinners. They just need more self-esteem. How do you Mm -hmm. respond to that?
1: Well, without the recognition of our nature, we can't really understand God's nature. Um, And I I think we misunderstand who he is as a God when we don't understand who we are as a people.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right, and I think it's one of the greatest errors of our time uh, in the mm-hmm. church. We want to talk about grace, and we definitely need God's grace, but before yeah. that, we've got to realize that we are desperate for his mercy, and that's why David, a man called after his, God's own heart, cried out for mercy Mercy, mercy, because he knew he was guilty as sin, so to speak. And mm-hmm. yet he he doesn't use the word grace, but he calls out for God's favor. Yeah. He experiences God's favor because his heart is open to God's mercy. Mm-hmm. If only we could see the difference. If only we could come to the recognition that we are desperate, not only for God's grace, but first for his mercy. We used to sing a song, Kristen, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. I don't know if you've ever heard the song, showers of blessing, but that's what we used to sing. You would not hear that song anymore. No. You would not hear it, because we don't think mercy is needful. We're good enough. We're good enough in the face of God, because don't you know who I am? I'm me. So, I was leaving about 15 years ago, the uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport. And what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a massive billboard that had these words on it. Me, me, me. That was all I saw. Me, me, me. There was nothing else to it. I thought we were in the me generation, but now we're in the me, me, me generation. So if it's all about me, I don't need mercy. I'm me. Don't you get it? So Mm -hmm. God's chasing me down. I I don't need his mercy. Well, so if we understand, though, it isn't all about me. It's about him. Then we can come to the place where we can live in the spirit of God's grace. And that's what we want to talk about.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Why do we desperately need God's grace?
1: Yeah. I, you know, for me, it took me a long time to realize that I really am a broken person. And, And it's not because I didn't make mistakes. It was because, uh. Um,
0: Your first mistake was diet coke.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is the you, consummate sin of the generation.
1: <laughs> I wish you knew how much I heard that. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Exactly. So. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Go ahead. So I was, I was just saying that, um, you know, I didn't necessarily realize that, um, my mistakes were kind of what needed to draw me near to God mm. and his mercy so mm-hmm.
0: so you said you were a perfectionist, absolutely. what is a perfectionist what what is it because Jesus said, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, so what is a perfectionist
1: yeah, a perfectionist is someone who's constantly striving for the best in everything and everyone. So much so that there is no grace for any type of failure or um, falling or wound or sin. Um, It's just constantly striving for the best and then kind of getting the mentality that because you're doing the best, you deserve the best.
0: Ah, because... At first, I thought you were just describing the word excellence. Sure. We should be striving for excellence. In other Mm -hmm. words, to do the best that we can in everything that we do. Isn't that what we're called to do as children of God? Absolutely. So what you're talking about, it seems to me, is when we go beyond trying to do our best, and we're called to live, as Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven. And he knew that we couldn't be perfect, didn't he? hmm Yeah. And he, yeah. yet he said, be therefore perfect. So what you're saying is, it, you can get to the place where you think in your mind, I'm not perfect, therefore I don't deserve, therefore Woe is me, therefore, I'm not worthy, and something is desperately wrong with me. Yeah. Is that how you're thinking about this? Yes,
1: absolutely. That's
0: what I thought. That's what I thought. So as a mother, this we've got Mother's Day coming up here pretty quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, how many mothers then are in the the throes of quasi despair because they realize they weren't perfect mothers.
1: I would say it would be you'd be hard pressed to find a mother who didn't feel that way.
0: Exactly, like Queen Elizabeth, she didn't she she felt like she was not a perfect mother in fact she wasn't because she wasn't with her kids.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the yep. Queen of England. The God fearing Queen of England admitted she wasn't a very good mother. And the God fearing Billy Graham admitted to Larry King Live when Larry King was still on television, admitted to him that the thing that really bothers me, bothered him was he didn't lead people in discipleship. He evangelized, but he didn't teach people to obey God. And he lamented that. So he admitted that he was, in a sense, a failure. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: should he be crying, woe is me? No. Was God's grace sufficient for him in the midst of his weakness? Absolutely. Is it sufficient for you as a mom if you're pursuing to train up your children in the way they should go, in honoring the Lord in every aspect of the life, and you don't do it absolutely perfectly, is there? Is God's grace sufficient for you, Kristen?
1: Absolutely.
0: So what? how would you then describe the difference between someone who is called to live perfectly, as Jesus said, but who doesn't really press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, where's the grace factor? Is God going to just willy-nilly extend mercy and uh, grace to that person until they decide to follow his ways with their heart? That's the conundrum, isn't it? It
1: is, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because we can't earn God's grace. Mm -hmm. It's unmerited favor. But that doesn't mean we can think that we're entitled to his grace because it's unmerited. We've got a real problem in our thinking today, I think. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So grace is not a slippery slope that enables us to just willy-nilly do what we want to do and ignoring what God has to say in our lives, is it?
1: No. Grace is what should inspire us
0: to live a holier life. Now we're starting to get to brass tacks on this, I think. (laughs) And friends, I want to urge you to get a copy of Kristen's book, The Pursuit of Grace, She has the word perfection crossed out in red, The Pursuit of Grace. And uh, I think it might be very, very encouraging and helpful to you. It's a $16 book, yours for $14. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I urge you to give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. 70879, Richmond, Virginia 2.0. 3255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And we'll get the book in your hands. This is, well, we need an awakening of grace. But we need it on God's terms. And he is extending grace to you. It's unmerited favor. But it's much more than that. And our guest was alluding to it just a moment ago. It actually... Beyond unmerited favor is God's enabling power to enable you and I to do his will. That's ultimately what it's about. And we need it desperately. So when God told the Apostle Paul, amid the trauma that he had, constant... uh, we don't know what what that trouble was that he had, that thorn in the flesh. Nobody told us. He didn't tell us. But he said, I, tr- I prayed three times that God would deliver me from it. And God responded saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Was that just his unmerited favor? No. It was more than that. It was in his enabling power that notwithstanding that thorn in the flesh, God was going to use him and his life would make a difference. So I want to ask you a question out there, my friend. Are you struggling with whether or not your life can make a difference? Maybe you have your own thorn in the flesh or thorns, but God is merciful And he's extending his grace to you. And his grace is sufficient. Isn't it? We'll be right back.
2: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind.
0: Why could David, a man after God's own heart, but who lived in the flesh and actually was not perfect before God, how is it then that he could cry out to God and trust him the way he did? Over and over and over again, he said, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. So I want to ask you a question as we move on today with our special guest, Kristen Lunsford. Do you really trust God? Don't answer too quickly. If you don't obey him, you don't trust him. And that's why we used to sing the song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What if you are seeking to obey him but you realize you're not doing it perfectly, then where do you stand? Well, David had that confidence. And he didn't even use the word grace, but he knew all about it. He knew about God's unmerited favor and his willingness to use his power on his behalf, his enabling power. And that's why David said, I trust you, Lord, I trust you. So the question is, do you trust Jesus? Are you sure? Do you trust the Father? Or do you have problems with the Father? And like the modern people today saying, down with patriarchy, you don't like fathers, you don't like men. Well, maybe you're rejecting the very source of both mercy and grace. Our special guest today, uh, Christian Lunsford, Christian, I know that we're kind of taking this a little bit beyond perhaps what you ever thought you were going to get when you came on this program today, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's a challenge, but just can you imagine what it would have been like to sit on the stand as an expert witness and have me cross-examine you?
1: No, I cannot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was my most favorite thing to do as a trial lawyer, cross-examination. And uh, (laughs) so this matter of God's grace, his grace is sufficient for you. He knew the Apostle Paul was pressing on with everything that he had, didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we understand that it wasn't Paul's perfection that earned God's grace. It was the fact that he was pressing on to do the will of God with all his heart. Yes. But so many Christians, professing Christians, are not. Question then, can they expect God's grace to be involved in their life when they are thumbing their nose at his word? Challenging question. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. They're trampling over the grace of God.
0: Exactly. That's exactly. Now we're really getting to brass tacks here because it's possible to trample on the grace of God. And yet we're being told about grace, grace, grace so much today that it's almost becoming a disgrace to the rest of the word. I I trust, you know, if it weren't for the grace of God, I couldn't even be here in front of this microphone. Just ask my wife. (laughs) Just ask my wife. The mercy of God first and then the grace of God. I have to rely upon him and his spirit every day to be able to do what I do here. And it's been 28 years on the air. 28 years. One day at a time. Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Have I ever felt that I arrived? Absolutely not. Just ask my wife in my conversation with her yesterday.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't feel like you've arrived as a mom, do you? No. Well, How, how about as a wife, though? <laughs> have you arrived as a wife? I mean, no. after all, you're, a mar- you're married to Adam. You must have arrived.
1: Uh, I'm a work in progress.
0: <laughs> and that's where grace comes in isn't it
1: yes
0: we are all a work in progress but if we're not seeking to do his will in the midst there's no progress so there we're not a work in progress and god can't even work with us right did you know Kristen, that for the past eight or ten years I have had numerous pastors and parachurch leaders on this program who have admitted openly that the most hated word in the church today is the word obey. Can you imagine that? It's a four-letter it. word to most Christians today. Mm-hmm. They think it's called legalism.
1: Yeah.
0: No, that's what God is looking for as an expression of our love and our commitment to him. Right, and when that's there, oh, he pours out his grace, his enabling power to assist us, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you sense that as a mom? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: With with obedience.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you? It's not so much that you've earned God's favor and grace; you can't earn it, right. but you still have to be pursuing his heart.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's what we see with the character of Israel. You know, they they were given these laws and they just simply could not, would not obey. And so God says that he's going to inspire them to obey eventually after they come back from Babylon. And he says, I'm going to inspire you to obey me. And that's mm-hmm. what I think grace, does and that's where jesus entered is it's no longer like you it i'm demanding this from you and you can't get it it's i'm inspiring you mm. and inspiration is much stronger than demand and so i would say if people are not inspired to live differently then they're not accepting grace
0: that's exactly exactly right you have used this word inspiration and i think it's so helpful because now you're you're giving some real meaning to the word grace that has been taken so cavalierly as if somehow it's something we're entitled to right no grace is the antidote for entitlement
1: right
0: yeah so grace mercy and peace Without mercy, grace becomes relatively inoperative if we don't receive the mercy. And then without grace to follow, to enable us to do God's will, because of his inspiration, we have no peace, do we? No. Yeah, Everybody wants to pursue peace. On their own terms.
1: Endlessly.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm On their own terms. So the prophets said, everybody will cry, peace, peace, but there will be no peace. Maybe the reason there will be no peace is because, first of all, we don't realize we need God's mercy. So there's no confession. There's no reconciliation of relationship which is prerequisite then for the grace of God to enable us to do his will. Does that make any sense to you, Kristen?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I'll bet your husband extends grace to you, doesn't he?
1: He does. Yes, he does.
0: Tell us about Adam. How does Adam ex- extend grace to you?
1: He's very patient, um, and but... Um, is good at trying to focus on my soul and my intent. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of time behind my action. Um, so he's learned to uh, assess the heart when focusing on my action. So he's getting good at it.
0: Isn't that what God does? Absolutely. That's when you read the Psalms. You receive, You read David. And you realize he said, Judge me according to my integrity. Wow. Judge me according to my integrity. In other words, don't you, you know my heart, Lord? You know my heart, and you yeah. know it because of how I'm seeking to do your will. You know how inadequately I'm doing that, but I trust you to be a righteous judge.
1: Yeah.
0: Somehow, Kristen, I think. Maybe this is one of the most important understandings that we could possibly have here on the near edge of the second coming. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it's critical. We absolutely need to have a better understanding of, of all of this and how it plays into our faith.
0: Do you believe Jesus is coming soon?
1: Absolutely well, I sure
0: hope so. <laughs> <laughs> because we're gonna need a whole lot of his grace and mercy in the in the process of waiting, aren't we?
1: Yes, we are, yes.
0: Yeah. He's saying to us, My grace is sufficient for you because I ordained you for this time. Just like Queen Esper, Esther, who knows but what you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you have that sense, Kristen? That somehow, even though you don't deserve it in some way, but, but God apparently called you by, through his grace for this unique moment in time. You have that sense?
1: Absolutely. I was reading this morning in Psalm 22 about David saying, I will declare your name to my brothers. And that's my mission right now. It, it, it's through the, the displaying of grace to declare the name of God
0: you know well friends you want to get a copy of this book The Pursuit of Grace some people think that God is running around pursuing them yet he said return unto me and I'll return unto you but he's working in and through us to draw us is he drawing you yet Get a copy of this wonderful book, Pursuit of Grace, $14. Dogs. we will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. We'll be right back.
2: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Click Cell Church.
0: As we continue on looking at the subject of grace here today on Viewpoint, I want to ask you a question. When you, I'm talking to all of us who are listening today, when you look at other people, do you see them through the eyes of a God, the way you want him to see you? Just asking. One of the things that my wife and I pray for regularly as we're together each morning in the word is, Lord, help us to see people today the way you see them. Now, if we want that, if that's the desire of our heart, then God, as Kristen said, is going to inspire us at unique moments to be able to respond to people the way he would respond. You think that might make a difference in your world? Leaving some pregnant silences here. Kristen, as you go about your day outside your home with the people that you have to deal with, going to the grocery store, uh, wherever you're carting your kids about, you can be frustrated, you can have all kinds of uh, issues, the kids can be barking at each other, whatever, as kids are prone to do. How does that affect your ability to see other people the way God sees them?
1: Well, he who has been forgiven much, loved much. (laughs) Okay. So um, when I see people, I think of the opportunity to show what God has done for me and that hopefully to give them hope that they too can experience the freedom of grace.
0: You extend unmerited favor, but how about enabling power? Are we called to extend enabling power, unmerited favor to others, the way God, the way we would hope and desire that God does with us?
1: For for enabling people.
0: Well, not enable them to do things that they shouldn't be doing, but Mm -hmm. to assist them in doing what they should be doing.
1: Oh, absolutely, yes.
0: So how do we do that? How do well, you do I that?
1: Think, yeah, being intentional um, at seeking opportunity. First, when, when I think of grace, I think of the grace that Jesus bestowed. And first of all, he saw the person. Mm-hmm. He saw the person, their brokenness, and then called them to action. And so when I approach people in the world, I see them first as a person with a background, and then through our conversation and action, inspire them to act on their faith, or inspire them to to have a faith.
0: I have uh, frequently been asked. <clears throat> I've written ten books, and they're most of them are fairly long, exceeding three hundred pages, mm-hmm. and uh, people will ask me how can you write these books because they're not just touchy feely books. They're provocative. They're, uh, they require a tremendous amount of research. People will ask me, how do you do this? And I say, you know what? I have to write by inspiration, not by perspiration. (laughs) I am so glad to hear you use that word. Inspiration. When I come on the air every day, I cannot rely on preparation alone. I always do my preparation. As a trial attorney, I was always extremely prepared. But quite frankly, you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. Just like you didn't know what was going to be thrown at you today on this interview, did you? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, you are a very inspiring person. That's why you wrote this book, isn't it?
1: I hope so, yes.
0: You wanted to inspire other people to be able to deal with life situations through the mind and the heart of God and not be so taken over by the pursuit of perfection that you forget your humanity before God. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing. So, your husband, Adam, I'll bet, I think that's what you've been describing, he treats you according to knowledge, right? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that what the scripture says a husband's to do? Mm. Yeah. You know why that is? It's because we need God to treat us according to knowledge, too. Because we're not perfect. yeah.
1: No.
0: But we should strive for perfection. So how do we resolve it? How do we resolve the call of Christ to be perfect and yet to realize how desperately we need his enabling power and his undeserved favor? How do we resolve that?
1: Well, my first response would be get in the Bible because the Bible calls you to know the character of God and calls you to know the character of yourself and your desperate need for him. The more you know about the character of God, the more it inspires you and produces a genuine response.
0: Do you know, I want to give you a lot of kudos. (laughs) You have responded to some very... Otherwise, provocative questions here on this program that you didn't expect, I'm quite sure. But you have responded in almost every instance in wisdom, realizing, revealing that you have a heart for God and that you understand His character. So, why is it then, Kristen? that we're told that very, very, very few professing Christians spend quality time in his word every day. Why would that be?
1: I think most people view it as a burden, but again, they don't understand the character of God. They're looking for or feeling like all they see is laws and rules, and they're not looking at the character of who God is. They're not mm-hmm. looking at the story of the Bible as a whole. Right. They're looking at pieces and being overwhelmed by it.
0: Mm-mm-mm. Well spoken. The word of God is alive. It's it's alive. And it will quicken you. It will inspire you. But we have to understand and expose ourselves to the whole of the Word of God, don't we?
1: Yeah.
0: So how are you doing that with your kids?
1: We do Bible reading every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've modeled that for them since they were born. Um,
0: Wonderful. But
1: also I... I talk about the character of God because I want to draw them to God. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want them to just fill the role and fill the square of I read my Bible. I want them to know who God is and why he's worth knowing. So we have a lot of conversation about who God is and what he's doing in me and what he's done in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, God called the Israelites in Deuteronomy to remember what God has done and to talk about it with your family. Exactly. So that's kind of our mission of just having him being a part of all of our conversation to draw them to him.
0: Do you know, Kristen, that this might be the most important Mother's Day conversation our listeners would have heard? Hmm. Because you, my sister, are conducting yourself in such a way You're glorifying God, realizing that you can't be perfect. Realizing that the best you do in trying to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is not going to be absolutely perfect. And they're human beings just like you are, right? Right. So they need God's grace too. Mm -hmm. And they need his mercy. And then they're going to experience that and those things through their mother's mind and heart and words, right? Yes. And their daddy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your kids are very fortunate. Your kids are very blessed. They have the grace of God upon them because of their mom, because of what we heard from you today. I want you to be confident of that, Kristen, not proud. But grateful, God is using you because his grace is sufficient for you. It's not just sufficient, but he's enabling you to do his will. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You're a blessing. Pray for other mothers out there, will you?
1: Absolutely. Do it now. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity and I just praise you for all the moms out there speaking to draw their children closer to you God. bring bring them wisdom and understanding of your word and, and help them to draw their children to your word and your way so that we will not stray from it, but continue to display your glory so that the world can be changed.
0: In your name, amen. Amen. All right, friends, the book, The Pursuit of Grace, not perfection, but grace. Yes, we're to be perfect for our God in heaven is perfect, but we know that we're not. And so we need God's inspiration, his enabling power, his favor. And you've just heard about how to walk in it. The Pursuit of Grace. It's a $16 book. Here's for $14. It's on our website, saveus.org, at saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box seven zero eight seven nine, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And by the way, if God inspires you, you might just want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Maricopa County, Arizona because they have been involved in serious, serious, uh, virtually a war, a political war, a moral war with regard to their own election there. It's been very troubled times for those in Maricopa County where our sister today lives, and uh, I urge you to pray for that. If you want to find out more about what that's like, go to your research it on your uh, website, uh, on on your computer, Google it, find out what's going on there. But in the meantime, you and I are facing troubled times. Yes, we're in the midst of troubled times. God knows that, and He has ordained for you and for me to be His ambassadors in these troubled times, which means we desperately need His grace. His enabling power, His unmerited favor. Because without that, we do not have the inspiration that we need. And by the way, when we're talking about inspiration, don't forget the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is coming up soon, at the end of this month. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is watching over God's Word to perform it in your life. We desperately need His Holy Spirit at this moment. That's one of the primary ways that God extends His grace to us in this hour of our great need. I hope this has been helpful to you here today on Viewpoint. A little different. I urge you to become a partner with with us. Send Your Gifts by Faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. P.O. 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. Become a partner. Don't wait on the other guy to do it. God is looking to you. We don't have any commercial support here. We trust God, and he trusts you. I hope that's enough. He's inspiring many to become a partner, to give this message out to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.